Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Um, thanks everybody for coming and joining us. We're still waiting a little bit for uh, some people to show up. Um, we have uh, packets from security um, with not Dan, but they are going to be a little bit late, they said. Just uh, wish for them. Um, but yeah, thanks for everybody who's coming in to watch, and thanks to everybody who's also watching on YouTube, even though your number, for some reason, is not being represented on our screen. So right now, we are streaming to both uh, YouTube and Twitch, and have both chats on our screen. So you can talk to us on either channel, uh, depending on what you want to you know, be listening to us on. I mean, I think it might be a little bit easier because a lot of people don't like, really want to watch anything on Twitch. I mean, a lot of people just have that sort of built-in aversion to it, I think, because it's mainly focused towards video games. So I think that uh, we'll be able to diversify um, people by playing on both services but this is a test today so we could potentially drop off i was seeing some network latency issues with um twitch uh so yes i want to make sure that if anybody has any issues if they see any any uh like hiccups or anything just like let us know either in the chat or let us know uh, on twitter or something at the crowd but yeah um and speaking of social media we also have a instagram now which is really funny um, we're at the crowd Instagram, so follow us for right. just a lot of ANSI art, I think, and maybe some memes. We're catching up to 2015. That's cool. Yep. yep. So soon we'll be on um, Facebook Live, and uh, maybe we might get a Snapchat in a year or two, so who knows? Yeah, I think we we might be on Snapchat for, uh, for DEF CON. They might, you know, keep your eye out. Yeah, keep your eye out for Snapchat for sure. And uh, keep your eye on your phone bill as well. So, but yeah, um, how's everybody's uh, week been so far? It's Monday morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Send dots at me. Throw throw dots at me. Uh, it's been a good week. It's 11 p.m. here in the UK right now. Yeah. So uh, 6 p.m. on the East Coast of America. I saw Radiohead this weekend. That was fucking awesome. How was that? It was it was Radiohead. You know, it was it was good. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweet. Um, anybody find any cool 
things, anything cool happen, any projects started? Yeah, I actually did do something yesterday, but I it's totally slipped my mind. Yeah? What's that? Yeah, I was. I know that feel. I failed my OSCP. That happened this week. Oh, yeah. How was that? It was rough. I mean, I think... Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it again here in in a, in a few weeks. Yeah, and you know just just do things a little bit different with time time management how, stuff. How do you guys feel about the uh, whole webcam situation regarding OSCP? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, I mean from an honest fair standpoint, I understand completely why they want to protect the integrity of the exam, but. Unfortunately, I just think that they kind of went a little bit overboard from the get-go. And I mean, that's also a strategy, is to go overboard from the get-go and say, oh, here is, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do all these extreme things and then see what people don't like, and then they can tailor it to what, you know, they can they can judge based on, on, like, okay, so nobody generally likes, you know, webcams or whatever. Maybe we can, you know, take that one out and replace it with something smaller. Um, or less intrusive, and it might be a better way for them to gauge what they need to do. But I don't know. It is kind of sudden. And when I saw that I'm taking the exam in a couple of uh, weeks, I think, and um, I think that mine is going to be grandfathered in, so I don't have to be proctored, which is cool. Um, but it definitely felt really like intrusive, and like I didn't. After having spent all this yeah. time. Um, just having to say, oh, yeah, we're completely changing the format of it, and you have to be on the webcam 24-7. Obviously, us people who you know, actually do security and want to do the OSCP and stuff, obviously, we want to protect the integrity of the certificate. and It's not fair that there's people, you know, cheating, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. However, I feel it's it's a bit too far regarding, you know, you got to sit on webcam for the whole time, you know, you have to show under your desk even. That, that just seems a bit too far for me. Yeah, especially when like you have like kids. I mean, I don't have kids, but I think that just have, have first off the fact that you have to check in like it's like probation or something. Like every time you like are you know getting on and off the webcam. I mean, if you have something like little kids or pets or or someone sick in your family and you're taking care of them, like if you have to just get up and go, like do you have to go through this whole process of like alerting the person that you have to leave? Like you know, like if your kid is throwing up or like you know fell over, like broke their hand or something, like are you gonna be like? Are you gonna like risk losing the whole exam because you you ran up and and left suddenly and without without warning for like an hour and then came back? It's just like I feel like all the different scenarios. Like I mean, there's people who are coming at it. Not everybody is like just living in their parents' basement with no ob obligations or anything. Like people have like lives and stuff, and it just seems like uh, really heavy-handed. I think it sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm at uh, Packstorm Compound, by the way. So I got oh, yeah. two people from Packstorm here that'll be joining the Confo. I just made it. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, we're in coming in close as usual. I really wish the YouTube people, uh, the YouTube number would update because we have a lot of people on YouTube as well. I wish that uh, maybe we reflected. Um, but yeah, thanks to everybody who is watching on, on YouTube right now. Um, let us know how it goes if there's any sort of weird dropouts. Um, 
I like watching streams on YouTube more than Twitch, so maybe this might be a good happen as well. Um, either way, hello, the blind hacker. Hey, um, by the way, is there a show notes? Sorry to ask. Um, no, not in particular for this episode because this was kind of for the moment. Um, but I will add this to our show notes from this week uh, when we do bring up stuff. But we can just kind of talk about whatever. Sweet. Good deal. Yo, it up. My check. consensus here is that that idea sucks for OSCP. Hey, what? The consensus here is that that idea sucks for OSCP. Yeah. No, definitely. It's it's just really heavy-handed. It's really extreme at first, and I think that there's, there's I mean, there's a lot of controls that they can put into place prior to 24/7 surveillance of both your screen as well as your webcam. It just seems like, I don't know. And it also seems like those kind of sort of uh, you know strategies to prevent cheating could also be very easily um, like you did. You could your webcam. You could you know like fake your video output very easily for a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to down, you're literally just on another, you know, if you have two monitors and you're broadcasting one, you know, on your other one, you could just switch video feeds to whatever and, you know, do whatever. It just, it seems like... Maybe it's, um, a, maybe it's a new challenge and they're just presenting it as yeah. a I mean, you'd think that... Considering, you know, the nature of the exam, you'd think if, you know, they're going to hire someone to do it, that the person in question, the one doing the exam, would think about such things, you know, being a security guy. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, hold on one second. I am trying to fix the YouTube real quick. Uh, can I get a mic check real quick now that I've uh, had an emergency reboot? Yeah, mic check here would be great too. You sound uh, fine, by the way. You sound fine. I leveled you out, uh, not Dan. Hey, so Dan, uh, I noticed you switched to Black Arch uh, over the weekend, and so I went to install the AVA, and it does not install under VMware, and I was I was very upset. So I. Oh, the OVA. Yeah, I the OVA was so freaking huge that I just bailed on the download and I installed it with the ISO. It went just as fine. It was perfect. Yeah, that's uh, I downloaded the ISO and then I went to sleep. But um, <laughs> yeah, but, it's, yeah, it's solid. Like I, I was using it um a few days ago and I just realized that there's a real there's a lot of really good tools on it. Um, yeah. they're not on Kali, they're not on Black Arch, they're pretty exclusive to, I'm sorry, they're not on Kali or Backbox, they're on Black Parrot. Arch. <laughs> I didn't, I don't know about Parrot still, I'm still ignorant to Parrot, I gotta admit, but they had some cool stuff, like it would do disassociation attacks and then set up a fake AP that asks for your Facebook and your Gmail credentials and shit. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Really, really awesome tools that are just like one-off projects that people just submit to them. So there's a lot of really interesting, just weird stuff. And you have to kind of wade through like, I think it's almost like, what, 2,000 tools at this point now that are on there. Yeah, and you don't, to, you don't have to install all of them at once either. Um, what I like to do is, I mean, even if you're just a regular, you know, you don't want to download everything, um, I think it's blackarch.org forward slash tools. Um, and in there, you can just look at all the tools that they have, and they have links to all the repos, which is really cool. Yeah. Because 
you don't have to like you don't even have to download you can you can use their um black arch repository on arch but yeah. you don't um need to um kind of the chats here um yeah, it's not you need to uh download them because a lot of them have git repos you can just clone it's cool because yeah you can have your own secure arch setup and then just put this over top of it and yeah. I don't, I don't know what it does to your security. Uh, like it may completely fuck it up, but uh, I saw that as an option. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely. I, I, I've been using BlackArch for like a couple of years now, and at first it was really annoying because they had a lot of dependency issues that would, yeah. when you do a regular install, it would destroy itself and it would overwrite its own dependencies and it would just leave it in an unstable state. So that particularly helped me learn a lot more about Arch and just, uh, you know, dependencies in general, because I had to fix, like, some really obscure Python library that was slightly different. It was using, some tool was using a fork of the same thing, but they were named the same, and they would just collide, and just, yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Honestly, um, the, the first time I installed Black Arch, it sounded familiar, except for I, there were all these fucking certificate issues. Yeah. Like, I just stopped. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Let me go download Kali where everything at least works. Maybe it's a little script kitty-ish, but whatever. Yeah. But this time around, it's, it looks good. I like it. Yeah, I used to... Uh, I was huge on Arch on um, my desktop in, for work, like, years ago. And, I, yeah, maintaining depends was, like, a huge thing. But I found that, like, the stuff I used from the AUR for work would break. And then... Uh, but now I guess I don't know. My Jeep. Like I used it to build um, like a lot of uh, like live images uh, with custom tool sets with uh, like where you'd use like network manager for Wi-Fi, but you'd use, like you want Ethernet raw because the specific tool needed to be like in promiscuous mode of boot. So adding like scripts and using Arch ISO, Arch ISO to build like custom distros really quickly was like really cool. That is cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, honestly, like, a lot of people, Arch is definitely a meme, but Arch has a lot of, of when you build it from, especially if you build the net install, um, either if you're just doing regular Arch or Black Arch, either way, you have to learn quite a bit about, you know, how partitions work and how, um, you know, setting up networking interfaces works and, like, things like that. But normally, when you use an operating system, even, like, a Linux one, it's usually set up for you. So having to learn, like, WPA supplicant and like key rings and like you know managing uh, dependencies and partitions and stuff is really cool. Giant arch nerd right here, by the way. Yes. No, I mean yeah, we talk about it a lot, and it's people who want to start on it because they hear that it's cool. But definitely using Black Arch, even if you just use the regular live ISO, is uh, really valuable. Um, so I thought I I totally remembered uh, what happened this weekend. That was was awesome. Um, Friday night, I went to a red teaming talk actually at a uh, at the one of the universities here, and the topic was owning the shit out of Windows 10, like all the current uh, all the current builds, um, latest patches and everything, uh, different techniques for loading different libraries, what they do, how to find like the base offset, then loading it again to find like you know the uh, option struct that you want to change. And then uh, going ahead and like some, uh, we get to see some inside tools that they were using um, to like to do all this stuff. 
um, for Credential Guard and Windows Defender. Like there's a little a, a little bit on Windows Defender at the start, and then um, into some some more complex stuff. Like, but uh, I was really good, and I do have a video of some of it, so I'll hopefully um, stabilize. I recorded on my phone. I'm sorry, but I'll hopefully stabilize it and and maybe put that in our street knowledge or something. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, you told me about that talk, and it seemed really awesome. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Oh, sweet. Um, so, Dan, are you uh, ready to talk with um, people from Pakistan? Uh, with who? The people you are with right now. Pakistan. I'm there. Uh, the com- too. There. Wait, what? Wait, what? Sorry, 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 sorry. I had uh, Twitch loaded for a second, and it was... <laughs> I heard you responding to like yourself. I think. You know? <laughs> well, I was poured a, a giant glass of tequila when I walked in the door because I was late. Um, but yeah, uh, we're all here at the the compound already. All right, the compound. So yeah, I mean, you guys can just take it away. I mean, we we'd love to just hear, I guess, your perspectives on what. So the whole thing that this started from, right, was the um, just talking about full disclosure and yeah. public exploit. It kind of came from that conversation with Viking Sack, and I I feel bad because he's not on here. If somebody wants to invite him in, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I told him to. He said that he wasn't going to be able to do it today, but we could definitely have an episode in the okay. future to talk well, to him. At least he got a chance to defend himself, and now that he didn't take us up on it, he doesn't get to defend himself as we vigorously attack him. So basically the the long and short of it is for years now i've i've had these kind of scuffles with the malware community and in general uh about when people release things like ransomware source code to github or botnet in this case source code to github it's called irresponsible there's a lot of negativity around it and this shouldn't be done kind of attitude. And uh, being a proponent of uh, exploit code and like, especially these, these guys here uh, from Package Storm, it's literally an exploit code repository. It's, it's the place to get exploit code that kind of falls into the same category. And so what these conversations usually boil down to is well, okay, it's kind of unethical to post that, but it shouldn't be illegal because that's infringing legal rights. And yeah. my my concern there is always, are are we going to go down a road where we keep saying this and then eventually someday somebody does enact legislation and then we start getting a chilling effect on places like PacketStorm or ExploitDB or any of these exploit houses? Um and that's that's kind of I think an important discussion because it really does seem to be pretty. I mean, for the thug crowd audience, we're obviously we lean more towards full disclosure, but that doesn't mean that there's not a really large contingent of people that actually view censoring or or telling people to stop posting that code. There's there's a large amount of them. I think there's uh I mean. A lot of people still go for the whole no disclosure as well. So um, then, if you know, if you're found to have uh, malware code that you've written for research purposes, we've seen this in the already. You know, it'll be the flip side of that. Yeah, I mean, we're, like, we're kind of seeing it with malware attack in a way. I mean, if you boil down what his case at least used to be about, it used to be about 
and I'm talking really high level here, there's more ins and outs, but his case was essentially about Kronos malware and the source code do it that he allegedly created and sold to somebody. And that's a crime of code creation. And that's something that cannot be allowed to withstand our legal system. It's got to be squashed. Yeah, I guess you just print it in a book, right? I mean, does that still does that still work? Sorry, say that again. If you print it and uh, if you publish it in a book, well, so the old Dex, Dex so, T-shirt thing, <laughs> the CSS, yeah, I, yeah, there's always going to be the Streisand effect. There's always going to be ways to get around it. But if it's made illegal, you've seen what happens with DMCA notices. YouTube will. I, I saw Getter a week or two ago, complaining that YouTube copyright struck his own song against him because some copyright troll went and, and reported his song. It was his own fucking track. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I envision that kind of same bullshit happening with, uh, with exploits. If there's ever legislation put on them, there already yeah. is technically the Wassenaar stuff. And I can... I can turn it over for others to talk, although we're kind of in the middle of something really. Cool. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't patent these things. We just use them until they're burnt. And then, whoops, uh, we don't know about that. That's some bug. Uh-oh. Uh, no patenting. Uh, secret, secret. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it moves it underground, and that doesn't do anything for anybody. All it does is hurt. It hurts... Uh, the legitimate infosec community and it hurts it certainly hurts the black hats and that's what i care about most <laughs> <laughs> all right anyways uh so yeah i mean i'll uh i'll turn it over to anybody that wants to talk but just kind of giving a, a general if you haven't heard of packet storm before first of all who are you please <laughs> Please let me know. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> when, did Packet, when did Packet Storm start? 1994, maybe? 95? 98. So 98. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when that went online. 20 years. It was one of the first places I've ever gotten exploit code from. Yep. Maybe hack.co.za was earlier. I don't know. <laughs> I remember, like, uh, the, the search engines, like, uh, was it Oslo Vista? Oslo Vista. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that and Packet Storm and, yeah, Packet, getting uh, all my... Packet Storm predates Digital Worm and Exploit DB, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, what happened with that? Of course, DB? Root Shell predates all of them. Oh, true. Oh, of course. What about them? And then there was hack.co.za for a while. Oh, I remember that. There was wars. <laughs> yeah. I had I had a page that was undetected for many, many years that was covered in zero days on AussieMail.com.au. In fact, the zero days that I had on my page were for the servers that AussieMail was running at the time. And I published zero days on their version of BSDI on a website on AussieMail.com.au. And it still didn't get exploited, except by me, but... Bizarre. And interesting side note, the CEO of that company is now the Prime Minister of Australia. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> and there was an election yesterday. Did you vote, DNZ? 
No, I uh, wait. Didn't hear I, about it. Hold on, wait, wait. If I didn't, if I didn't vote, I get fined. So I'm just gonna say yes. What the right? It's a record low turnout of vote because nobody knows there was an election <laughs> yesterday because no one gives a fuck. <laughs> Australia is so great. Can I just um for a second? Did you say you get fined if you don't vote? Uh, in a federal election, yes. Yeah, only if only if you've enrolled to vote. If you don't enroll to vote at all, then they don't know you exist, so they can't fine you. What's what's the fine for not voting? Uh, not to mention, actually. So during our last census, it was the same time as DefCon. So um, and they fucked it up royally because what they did is they tried to do the the census online, and uh, so everybody tried to go to like some probably WordPress like they did with our fucking health records. They, everyone tried to go to WordPress or Joomla at one time on probably like a shared cPanel box and it crashed. And so then um, they had to send people around door to door to do the census. And um, so by the time we got back from the States, uh, they, they came to our door and they said, you know, you need to fill the census out. And we told them to basically, you know, fuck off. Um, they don't have to fill that shit. We're out of the country. That's the law. And they, they insisted like, no, you must fill out the census. And we're like, Nope. During the census, we were not in the country. We're not filling it out. And uh, the I think it was a lady. She rang up her boss while we were standing there. And her boss was like, nope, they're right. Leave them alone. No. So, Did, uh, you don't know about voting and you don't have to vote in, go in the census. Hell yeah. That's pretty hilarious. I, I find that to be a really crazy way of keeping track of the population. But okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's usually mandatory, but um, yeah, just go to DefCon every four years. So, do we have anyone here that can speak to the history of history of Pakistan, like its beginnings? No, we don't. <laughs> oh wait, except for these two guys, they can <laughs> they can probably do it. Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's hear it then. All right, I'm gonna hand my shift key over to one and uh, and go. Yeah, don't fuck up. Um, it's really important. So podcast. yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> at a very high level, it's hard to condense down twenty years. Um, but as most people know, uh, initially Packet Storm had some drama with another site called Anti Online, and uh, Ken Williams, the founder, decided to get rid of it, and he sold it to a company called Securify. Um, that's when I started working on it. That was about eighteen years ago. Um, and then with everything in the dot-com bust, companies started going under and cutting back things that uh, cost the money. So they decided to uh, give it back to the community. So we continued running it, turned it back into a company, and uh, do occasional consulting. But yeah, over the uh, past 18 years, it's been interesting. Um, we've seen a lot of problems with full disclosure coming into play. Usually it's just some crazy that is... Uh, emailing that we need to edit swear words out of exploits or something else like that. <laughs> um, yeah, there's one guy who read us verses out of the Bible because his daughter was being tainted and she was trying to write a school report. I, still I, happens to this day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to keep an archive, but after a while it just gets depressing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the biggest battles we've had with full disclosure were back when we used to have mirrors in all different countries and Germany and France enacted their own legislation to make it illegal. Uh, we had one incident, I want to say it was about 15 years ago, where a French mayor wanted to keep operating, and we told them to check with lawyers. They did. 
Um, and then somebody broke into the French government and blamed that mayor and they got raided and shut down. And in the end, after a lot of bad noise and getting people from the EFF and others engaged, uh, they realized they were going to try their law in court for the first time. And instead, as long as he promised never to put it back up, they just dropped all charges and didn't press the issue. But yeah, we've had a lot of veiled threats, but at the end of the day, we've had way more positivity than negativity, negativity um, especially from the government of all people. Uh, intelligence agencies understand the value in it. Uh, companies that aren't selling vulnerable software understand the value in it. The biggest people against full disclosure are usually those that do not want to have to be forced to react quickly and do not want people knowing their software is vulnerable. But uh, most companies that you know we post about, they're actually pretty happy uh, that you know we've brought things to light and we will work with them if they need help. But um, most people aren't against it. And uh, the biggest thing we probably get is people saying, "Hey, take this down. I fixed it." And even though you know there's ten thousand versions of the uh, old piece of software vulnerable out there still, they just don't want it known that it was ever vulnerable. But as a matter of consistency, and because those old pieces of software are there, we still keep them up. Um, and that's really the big value is visibility, right? As far as hackers go, we can all get exploits on the IRC or wherever we want. We used to get them on BBSs. We didn't need websites for any of this, right? Um, it's really kind of the, even the playing field globally and have a, a global resource. But, um, but yeah, I'll stop babbling now. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Keeping the exploits up—that's that's that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I find it really funny that um people complaining about swearing in uh, exploit code because I mean you just look at any regular like any source code, commercial, non-commercial. They're swearing in that <laughs> git, git commits everything like yeah, dude. Search search for like any of the uh, major swears in the Linux kernel, and you'll find a lot of really awesome ones. Uh, my favorite is when they then they like have a huge like tirade against uh, some microsystems about changing some microcode or something and they uh, are just like just literally like so vulgar in like a comment and like some like really obscure um, thing for setting up like the actual uh, boot sequence. I mean even just gobble security right gobbles is like a staple of fucking <laughs> hacking and gobbles did not I'm pretty sure gobbles squared I could be wrong I could be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure Gobbles squared quite a bit, and I'm going to guarantee there's some Gobbles advisories on Packet Storm. Um, it's just a thing. But yeah, people are nuts, I think is the, uh, the point. Cool. So, um, so Packet Storm has obviously been around for a bit, and uh, we've talked about the past and you know, what's happening, happened with it so far. I guess over that time you achieved a lot of goals. Um, is there any specific ones that spring to mind? Uh, pretty much staying up without any laws <laughs> shutting us down. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, how many sites you know that were online and around in 98 or anywhere in the 90s? It's a handful, right? Like it's. Yeah. And especially Packet Storm, you think about the fact that they don't have ads on the site. They're not like it's not a for-profit thing, except for a brief moment in time. I think it might have been considered that. But for the large part, Packet Storm has been a free resource for everybody to kind of have, and um, that's rare. That's super rare. 
If you want to pay us some money, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have that conversation. <laughs> there, there's a Bitcoin thing, I think, on the site. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure like three people have donated, so we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest. Over the years, almost everything's been donations. We've been very fortunate that a lot of companies stepped up, and they don't want it all over the news that they helped us, but they'll give us you know, hardware. They'll give us hosting. Um, originally what happened back in around 2001, I want to say, uh, God, what, what was it? Nimda. And there were a few others, Code Red. Um, basically we had an issue with one group because they left some SSH zero day in a honeypot and legally because it was a honeypot we owned, um, we could post it. And so they dosed us off the net pretty bad. Um, they rooted pretty much every accessible IIS server on the internet. And <laughs> it is so bad that we were um, null routed on the backbone for a couple providers. Holy shit. Nice. Yeah, we were taking down, the, and it was right over holiday weekend. So I was literally calling up uh, like the admins at sprintpcs.com and whatnot, because their servers are hitting us. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like I could have just done anything to turn off their server, so I wouldn't have done that. But the attack eventually stopped. Um, but we lost our hosting because of it. At the time, we had a very nice ISP that was giving us great hosting, um, but it took out the entire ISP. So when that happens, uh, you know, you got to kind of figure out a plan B. So we started uh, growing out the mirrors, got new hosting. Um, we did find out that one mirror, I won't say which one it is, it's gone. Um, but we found out from somebody who was involved in the program at the university that the CIA was actually paying for it, which was hilarious. Um, and of all things, like a friend at a normal conference got told this by a person who was there, but they apparently had a, a college group that they funded to make root kits for CIA, which is interesting to think about. Um, <laughs> I, I never really, you know, had a vision that uh, the site should be, you know, um, it's 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 for everyone, I guess. But yeah, it's it's crazy <laughs> to think about who's being used at that level. That's a cool after school club, though. At, at college, right? I mean, actually get credit for that. I mean, that that's <laughs> finish class, go write root kit to the CIA. <laughs> oh man, most people just finish class and root root kits for fun. That's uh. <laughs> The root kits for CIA after college or, or during high school, even recruitment, is amazing. You would not believe. Well, you probably would, but uh, it's huge. Uh, it's yeah, I believe. We got we got ads in the subway systems here for exactly that. It's it's mind blowing. Uh, uh, the cyber war today. It's it's like something out of Starship Troopers. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, at conferences. Uh, yeah, at, at conferences and stuff. I've been to. Um, not my favorite conferences, but other conferences, they, they're straight up, uh, yeah, join the cyber division right now. Here's a here's some pizza. And, yeah. like, I don't know. I, I don't eat the pizza because I feel like it's going to have some mind control agent or something in there. You know, I'm going to want to become a fed straight after this. Hey, uh, Dean Z, remember in The Simpsons, the Eva et Neoj? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Eva et Neoj. Yeah, that's, that's 24-7 in Israel. Bizarre. The cyber war. How do you say cyber backwards? I don't know. How do you say cyber war backwards? Yeah. <laughs> well, this sounds like a good oh, conversation. Yeah. What was it? Yeah. This sounds like some shit that we were Eva talking about. Eva Netniage? Wasn't that the... Eva Netniage? Join the Navy backwards. 
Join yeah. the Navy backwards. <laughs> Simpsons fans know what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> Is um, that Ro Rory back? Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'm going to cyber war. Yeah, I don't know how to say it backwards. We should sample it and play it backwards in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it. So I'm leaving. By the way, I'm leaving the mic uh, hot. I think Discord eventually pods me down uh, and penalizes me for this. But if it does, just tell me and I'll I'll readjust. We'll drag you. We don't want to like hold the key down. It's too hard. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Also, we're playing. Like PS4. <laughs> so, um, I guess, like, what kind of other issues have you guys faced besides getting DDoSed or getting uh, rooted by the CIA? What are the sort of uh, like major legal battles have you faced? Because we, we talk about disclosures like a lot on on um, on here. We talk about you know the dangers of it, and we've had people on to discuss different aspects of law. I actually have a Fred Jennings talked to us about uh, computer fraud and abuse um, on Tuesday, um, which is awesome. But we are, you know, I want to know because a lot of the, you guys have been around for so long, and a lot of this stuff, a lot of the laws were written, you know, by having these big cases um, that no one had ever actually tried before. Um, so I wanted to know what kind of things you have been threatened by or any legal actions that have been taken against you. If most things have been veiled threats. Um... The the interesting thing I think that we're fortunate to have is that we have a great support base as a, legally. We have a lot of people who work for us pro bono. Um, we have a lot of different organizations that have backed us over time when there's been bound threats. Um, mm -hmm. But honestly, probably in the past 10, 15 years, it's really subsided. Um, and there's been nothing of note that's significant enough to say, here's how we handled it in court. We never got to court. I got one thing for you. Um, so when I first kind of met these guys, um, it, it, you know, they had already been in my life, whether they knew it or not, for 20 years, right? And one rumor that was always around is storm hands over logs to feds. We know this because of whatever reason. There, like, I think it was during the Mafia Boy uh, DDoS attack. <laughs> And so I asked direct, I was like, yo, so is it true do you guys hand over access logs or HTTP access logs? And I'll let uh, guy you know, number one talk about that. We've never handed over any logs to law enforcement. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think about what I, I, there's some things I can't talk about from DDoS days. Um, there were definitely inquiries made. We refused to get the logs, but we did. Um, get somebody who's a person of interest in touch because we knew they were not actually committing the crime. So once they talked to law enforcement, law enforcement backed off. They were like, yes, you're correct. It wasn't them. Um, so we kept him from getting raided. Um, that's not to say we didn't have some problems of our own with people trying to point at us for all the DDoS attacks back in the day. Uh, yeah, yeah. That resulted in at least one person being raided. Um, well, that also resulted in you guys placing stop and kill code in some of your code. So there's like some really old code. If you go through PacketStorm's archive, that says we've and we've fucking disabled this one. Yeah, we put yeah. a kill thing in it. So you know. <laughs> There, there were certain exploits that we, we normally, 99.99% of the time, we never want to edit 
anyone submitted code because it's their code and it would be tainted at that point and it's as it. Um, but there have been a few things that people have written into malware. Uh, so they'll grab a Perl script and they'll launch it and they'll do a UDP DOS, right? That's massive. And all of a sudden we have, you know, 6,000 people emailing us saying, why are you attacking our server? <laughs> so if, if something's ready to go hostile code, we may modify it. So it's it, it has to be modified but and pulled from somewhere else, but we'll leave a note in there and we'll explain why. Yeah, and it's really obvious. It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. here is the exact exit statement you need to delete in order to make this shit work. Yeah, what we don't want to be as continually uh, pointed to as the tool launching the attacks. Yeah. So we're going to be a regular tool. It's really just out of <laughs> <laughs> it's really just out of not wanting to answer emails is what it comes down to. There's that too. <laughs> well, we used to get like pretty common people sending emails to staff like, "Oh no, you're hacking us!" And it's like. Like we found you in our logs, and we look, and it's just like, yeah, somebody else has already popped your box. They're just pulling tools from PacketStorm because they can. Yeah. So you know, they had to explain to them, look, that's not what's actually happening. Um, yeah, another even getting shoutouts in the credits. I remember <laughs> it, it, once I was on a BBS back in the '90s, um, and it was running out of Oregon, and the guy hadn't edited all, all the bottom of his text files for his mm -hmm. BBS. And somebody had faxed to the FBI office uh, how to make a Coke machine bomb to make uh, an exploding Coke machine. So they saw that as a threat against them, that their Coke machine was a bomb. And I was, I'd broken into chat with him, and all these news reporters showed up at his house, and they started asking him questions. He's like, I don't know why you're asking me these questions. And the FBI showed up 10 minutes later. The news reporters actually beat him, but... It was all because he had an ad in the text file. So, well, that's just an example of how the FBI perennially had been behind the times and didn't understand how to use a fax machine. So, I mean, not much further than today is what you're <laughs> yeah. trying to say. Oh, I'd like to say that they've gotten much better. They've gotten, they've much, gotten much better. Oh, uh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, there was somebody else, uh, sort of a friend of the site, who had another domain where we were actually going to sort of uh, set up a little site where we could post all of the like the greatest hits of angry emails that we received <laughs> uh but i don't know if that domain is still up so you know we don't we don't play with that anymore but uh that was uh one of those things that uh we had to sort of sort of smile and nod and let it go do you guys even still have the archives because if you do <laughs> I, know, I know i know a guy that hosts things and i'll, I'll totally host them for you Exactly. Right. Pull out some hard drives. <laughs> very... Wait, we don't have any hard drives. What, yeah, are, you no, what are you talking about? <laughs> Those things, we, we don't. We don't keep logs, and, and, we, and, and we don't keep hard drives. <laughs> Everything runs in RAM. <laughs> yes. The only piece of physical hardware that I still have is a keyboard that has a label on it that said Packet Storm when it used to be in the colo. Yo, oh yeah, I actually, IP address. So he used to give us hosting back in the day, right? I, was, I, was involved I didn't want to bring up whether or not I was the well, one who was getting DDoS. I haven't or... said your name yet, so yeah. sure, we'll leave it alone. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they had they, everyone thought they knew where the server was, and all these different data centers around Chicago, and they'd be like, "Oh, we're right near your server." I'm like, "Oh, really?" And, and you don't mind me talking about this? Dude. No, go ahead. So the best part is they had this small little server room in a skyscraper, in a stairwell, that when you open the door in this closet, stairs went up, but the ceiling didn't get any higher. And it was like being in a John Malkovich room. 
Exactly. So you had to kind of bend over a little bit. And there's all these servers, and the server was there for years. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was very bizarre. You felt like you were hiking. just a wire kind of going from the colo, I'm assuming, through like a, a series of tunnels to the to the hallway. Well, it wasn't even a data no, center. No, 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 it was no. a skyscraper. This this used to be a like a engineering room for supporting when like elevators still used hydraulics. So it was stuck. It know. was it was right next to the core of the building. So literally, that was why we took that because we were wiring up other people in the building just straight up Ethernet. And so yeah, we didn't have to snake it anywhere else. We had a <laughs> hole right into the core of the building, and that's where we you know brought up you know key ones and etc. Actually, I love it. That location might have been initially. <clears throat> wireless if i remember correctly anyway not really important uh <laughs> i think the, the pro tip here is <laughs> hey if you run wire for buildings feel free to set up your own fucking isp <laughs> sometimes <laughs> obscurity is fun though the first time you took me to that room i really thought i was gonna like fall into john Malkovich's hat. it was the most bizarre thing i've ever seen in my life yeah it worked out perfect for for our needs at that time yeah i think um, there, there's a lot of uh really crazy stories too that anybody from those days can tell you uh i'm sure uh attrition any of any of the sites that have been around forever have mm -hmm. these crazy crazy stories that are almost unbelievable um but were required to stay online i mean when you have zero budget and you're relying on the kindness of strangers and stuff uh you got to do what you got to do and i think Packet Storm has had their their fair share of those moments. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and there's a reason everything's over TLS these days. We don't want anyone in transit seeing anything. We're very big on user privacy. So uh, I wanted to bring this up a little before, but what is the review process like when somebody submits something or if you're trying to make a decision whether or not to edit something? Like what is like, how, how do you go about doing that? I'm going to uh, give, I'm well, gonna give my shitty, uh, goofy answer and then let them actually answer. Okay. It's really, it's really it's easy. Yeah. Talking. So, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm on my second glass. Uh, it's really easy. Like, people email and send exploits, and then they just click OK, and it automatically populates to the site. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I'm going to let okay. them tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just want to point out um, that really uh, the comment, you know, we already heard about where in the past made slight modifications or put some sort of, you know, kill switch in, in some code that has maybe happened less than five times in the 20 years yeah. that it's been operating. So yeah. um, there's no... I, I don't think we've ever done that where like, you know, somebody submits uh, an exploit today and we look at it, we'll look at it, but Even, we won't necessarily be like, oh, we need to, we need to protect people by turning this off because so, the whole point is it's full disclosure. Yeah. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, if I can't get this exploit to run, then it must not either be a, a real exploit or, you know, something else. They don't think that, oh, actually this is a real problem and I do need to address it. They might be like, well, it didn't run, so it must not be affecting me, and they'll they'll ignore it. I'm actually surprised you guys haven't gotten uh, threats or whatever for Eternal Blue uh, exploits. Those are huge, right? Like those mm -hmm. are those are creating the WannaCry crisis. Uh, but that's 
That's an example I, of one you haven't had to censor, I, I don't think, did you? <laughs> I did talk to some people on the uh, East Coast yeah. to see if there would be some unwanted attention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the way it was put to me was that it's out there. Everyone's accepted that it's out there. Yeah. And it's no different than getting it from other spots. So it's... I, I don't think it's happened. Uh, the, it, code, it, the code censoring the yes, uh, injection, it, that it, hasn't happened in many, many years now. No, no, no. And, and honestly, with those particular exploits, like, yeah, they're pretty well done, right? And that's because they were well weaponized and they probably came from where they came from, though nobody will say it really came from there. So therefore, they really can't charge you for having them. It's a complicated thing, right? Oh, I see. Um, You're going deep on that. But, but <laughs> I have had issues where we've had exploit code um, that we thought was one day. We thought there's a patch out for it, a patch got released for a CVE, and then this exploit still works <laughs> specifically for that CVE. And the, uh, the vendor was like, oh, yeah, technically that CVE encompassed two vulnerabilities. We only fixed one and told everybody we fixed the one, right? So I, I, the big thing for me, I, having a background as a sysadmin and actually having to update systems, is it's about checks and balances, right? There's, there's no requirement for any vendor to actually put up secure code or patch in a timely fashion. And you need to be able to test any patch you apply or any mitigation you put in place while you're waiting for a patch. So you need exploits. It's a necessary evil, but... You know, you can't just buy a box of nails and put something together. You need a hammer, too. So. That's right. Oh, and The hammers are fun. <laughs> um, I was going to also point out, uh, talking about the weird places in the year, over the years where PacketStorm has been famous or infamous, depending on whose opinion. And, you know, while we're talking about, A, you know, having somebody including your information uh, in, on a BBS, uh, the ones that made me laugh that we had to go and address were uh, when PacketStorm security was showing up in all of these, like, you know, uh, like uh, firewalls that would actually, you know, make sure there wasn't bad content, you know, if there was going to be a blacklist. Oh, yeah. So we had to address that a bunch of times. But the other one that made me laugh a lot was looking at, I think, Symantec and somebody else has like a list of all of the, the viruses that are aware of, and they'll find out like keywords, like if this virus gets installed, it'll check to see if it, the domain it's on is PacketStorm, and if it is, it won't run. And I'm like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, because I mean, good. yeah, we used to get a lot of stuff from a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I would say- um, Friendlies. Friendlies, um, people who are running their own, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, I keep thinking of botnets, but not botnets. Their own, their own stuff. Well, uh, <laughs> not tar pits, but um, oh right. Uh, basically, people who are running honeypots. Honeypots. Honey thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of the word. So anyway, um, yeah. So that that's the kind of fun stuff that you find later from other people. They're like, wow. Um, if I had just you know made sure that I was on the PacketStorm domain, I never would have gotten that virus. Blah, blah, so, blah. Uh, introducing PacketStorm's ten thousand dollar a month <laughs> subdomain uh, subscription. Please, <laughs> please, please contact us for more details. Well, I'm totally joking. That is not a thing. <laughs> uh, we're 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 gonna do a Kickstarter. 
I think uh, the you know when there was an when exploit code was out as well, where there would be like I remember seeing one like seeing like a what was like FreeBSD remote SSH zero day, and it was like a you know make sure you run this as root, and then you know owns you because you didn't read the code. And I think uh, the the traps that went into old exploits and stuff. Like I hope people still do that rather than just submit to uh, Metasploit. So you need to understand your exploits before you just go ahead and blindly run that code. All right. So maybe I should say this because I'm not, yeah, I'm in a good place to say it. But I, I, can, I can tell you right now, the packet storm admins will actually go through the shell code generally and make sure that it's not doing crazy stuff. There are other exploit ar archives that maybe don't go as far. And so getting kind of wrapping back around the original question, how do exploits get uh, viewed and uh, vetted and then published? Uh, it's a really long and arduous process. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, and one of those things is actually taking the effing time to go through the shell code on stuff that gets submitted. And uh, there's always going to be times where stuff is not 100% uh, perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, especially when you're processing a lot at the time. But I will say uh, that's one of the things that personally, from a, from a kind of outsider note uh, point of view, I've noticed that that's something very much uh, done. Come on, man. We want you to name names. Who, 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 who sucks? <laughs> uh, I have a, I have two names in mind, <laughs> but I will not. All right, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna load you up with more uh, tequila, and that might be uh, off the <laughs> <Yeah>, It's, it's <laughs> not true. a perfect process. It's not a perfect process. It's a long, really insane process. Hey. To be honest, I, I don't know oh. how much to give away, but really, it's. It's your worst case scenario. I'm gonna be honest. Everybody that's that's listening and has had a job in this uh, kind of atmosphere of infosec, the stuff that these guys do to go through and vet is is ridiculous. And you would you would laugh and be like, oh god, I don't want to do this. This is this is terrifying. Um, but for the greater good or a greater evil. So, um, how many? people work to do this sort of thing? Um, or how do you go on your review team and, and make this sort of stuff happen? It's not a big team, but we don't normally give out the number. It's a very, very small team. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Um, <laughs> Understaffed, I think, is the best answer. <laughs> no, it's just interesting because, I mean, you, you guys have just been brokering this kind of stuff for so long, and there are, you know, tons of different sites that have come and gone that publish exploits and and it's just it's awesome to see that you guys still do it with such a small team and still use the same sort of i mean you have more experience in reviewing exploits than most agencies ever could you know ask for um and so i yeah i mean i just think it's interesting to see the process though so how, how did it sort of i don't know I, I had to step away for a moment right when we started so i didn't know if you guys got into the whole how did you actually start this thing um, but if you wanted to give us a few words on that, if you haven't reviewed it. Uh, so we really didn't start the main site. Uh, like I noted earlier, Ken Williams started it. He sold it to a company called Securify. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they gave it back to the community. I was one of the people working on it at Securify. And then uh, 
we basically made a nonprofit art for some years and just kept it running. We the big thing was we realized the importance of keeping something like that alive instead of just having it shut down. And fortunately, the company we we're at also felt the same way. Um, so I mean, they took a loss on it. They gave it back to the community, and so I'll give them kudos for that. But after that, maintaining it was definitely kind of a pain in the ass because you're doing it for free, you know. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and after that, I mean, we just kept it around for the longest time and set up mirrors everywhere. The big thing with the mirrors was not only to ensure that if we got dust, uh, you'd still be able to reach one of the mirrors, but it was also because of all the disclosure laws coming out at the time. Uh, we figured, you know, at one point, I think we are in 17 different countries, and at that point, you can make laws in whatever country you want. It's not going to stop the fact that the Internet's one place where you need to be able to get what you need to get. So. Yeah, and that, that really does kind of go into other topics i was just actually taking a quick glance at the youtube and twitch chat integration so good on that you thank you for that oh yeah i know it's looking good yeah man. Awesome. um but yeah i mean it, it, there's 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 and again i'm not speaking on behalf of back storm right now i'm just i'm just some cartoon dog uh <laughs> The the laws that are in place are are, are silly as uh, some of the Georgia laws that luckily got struck down. We talked to the Georgia ADA, ADA uh, a few weeks back, um, but they're as serious as, as Wassenaar, and I think that's this topic that uh, is near and dear to many people in this room, maybe because technically speaking, some could argue that exploits are a ammunition of war and and that becomes uh well you're essentially an international arms dealer and yeah as hardcore of a, of a role as that sounds <laughs> it does come with its downfalls or or you're a poet and it's free speech well right? according to man i like putin's uh i like putin's stance on this we're all artists <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's something definitely like I the the t landscape has changed significantly since 1998 and even 10 years ago where now so like people are developing actively cyber weapons and are leveraging especially we're talking about Eternal Blue that was a cyber weapon that was used in many different instances and so the fact that we have so many people that are you know writing this exploit code making pocs putting it up there and you don't know where the source of it came from or it might be a leaked you know state uh nation state tool i mean yeah how do you guys deal with the sort of um you know the whole landscape of this changing to become where it's not just a bunch of people who are just like oh let's just play around and here's some research i did and some funny tricks i found it's like oh here's a way that a government use uses um you know some sort of tool to attack another country or its people so, I mean, honestly, I, it's a complicated thing. We, we do consult with a lot of people that are involved with talks at that level, especially with Wassner. Um, people are actually going to other countries and sitting on those talks. So it's, we do have advocates that are, you know, working in everyone's best interests. Um, and there's still a lot of things that are great. Some verbiage that was left in there makes us all uneasy, right? But a lot of laws, come down to intent. You know, you can you can get charged with a lot of things, but the reality is what's the intent behind your action? Uh, and in our case, 
our intent is not malicious in any capacity. Um, it's actually largely defensive and help the greater good, right? So there, there's a lot of advocates, uh, especially in our own government. And, and I'm not going to politicize this in any way. I know a lot of right-wing and left-wing people who are both on the same side of the table when it comes to this. They understand the necessity for exploits. Um, and they understand it better than 99% of people making laws because they're actually technical and they might be involved in an app or they might run a large Fortune 50s network, um, but they understand it, right? So when it comes down to the technical people who are consulted in the end, their, their opinions usually do matter. Unfortunately, some things get put on paper that are ridiculous and it takes uh, court cases eventually to fix them. Um, but I, I hope it doesn't come to the point where we're considered an arms dealer. I do like being able to travel. So. <laughs> right. That, that said, I, I have, you know, validated on Interpol that I'm not wanted at all before traveling. Just I mean, when things are happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know my vacation room. Yeah, no, I never know. Yeah. Check with Interpol. Yeah, I love that phone call. <laughs> hey, we just noticed you booked a, a, a trip. We're, we're just letting you know. We'll let you go on it. Thanks. <laughs> I Thanks swear I got X's on all my visa shit for New Zealand. <laughs> and Joe didn't. Like we were traveling together. Yeah. Anyways, that's another story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's open it up for questions. There's gotta be some, right? Yeah, if anybody in either Twitch or YouTube has a question for Packet Storm or any sort of shoutouts they have to do. I know that a lot of people here, especially if you've taken any sort of exams um, lately at the OSCP, you've definitely been on Packet Storm and you've definitely found some uh, Really interesting, very old exploits to root stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have, um, I have an, a question that might have already been answered. Um, what do you guys at Packet Storm do about? Uh, as a, hmm, this is a tricky question because I don't want to. I don't want to reveal my cards here. But um, uh, what do you do about fake exploits? or uh, backdoored exploits. Um, how do you triage, if that's the right word, a report of a, uh, a, a malicious post or a, 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 not, a disingenuous uh, tool on Packet Store? Yeah, we, we do get those from time to time. Um, you know, I remove it, we try to blacklist the person uh, so we don't make the same mistake twice. Um, Ideally, if people, you know, give us a GPG key and can actually sign what they send us, that helps a lot, gives us some level of comfort around integrity of what we're receiving. Uh, but not a lot of people do that, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, so, the, yeah, I guess the, the TLDR of that is PGP keys. Otherwise, we don't know. That's all we can really do. Yeah, um, they're, the, they're the back door in. They, they don't check the code of anybody with PGP keys. I'm joking. Yeah, and I mean, you can't, you know, it's not like you guys have any kind of automated sandbox, you know, for uploaded uploads. That, that, like, it's all manual, right? You guys are going to do it yourselves. So I think the best answer to that is uh, you take your chances, right? Uh, that they're not doing that. <laughs> I think well, the, the, the problem we, is we've a lot the, of people upload fake exploits <coughs> we've or had exploits a, after we've had the problem before where people try to claim that they wrote an exploit where they just basically took somebody else's exactly so a lot of times you know we're in the middle where it's like uh, which one did we get first but 
most of the times when this has happened, it's been pretty easy to figure out like, oh. What, what about when somebody, when somebody contacts you and says, I didn't write that exploit. Somebody's claiming that I did. Yeah, I don't think that's happened, but uh, I, I can understand that. Cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! We're not. Oh, no, we're not suggesting that you do this. Wait, but... there's a lot of Hi, my name is Faith, and I've got an exploit for you. <laughs> Hi, yeah. Wait, attribution, uh, the attribution eight ball uh, is rolled in my favor. It's a Spectre version three. So here, here is the real deal. There, and and again, I'm not speaking. I'm not coming from their voices, but there, there's times where people, you'll notice, look on ExploitDB, look on any of these exploit repositories, and you will start to notice that there are exploits that are ripped word for word, verbatim, almost, maybe the comment section has changed, uh, from fucking CVEs that have been out there for 10 years. And so that's a big thing lately, is stuffing your ballot and making a name for yourself based on replicated CVEs. And yeah, I mean from a from a SE from a black hat SEO perspective, getting a link from Packet Storm is very, very effective. Uh, to, to keyword stuffing, getting getting to the front page, pretty much if you get something on Packet Storm and you've got a blog, your your front page Google for whatever search term you desire for a while. Let's um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like it's pretty high ranked in terms of like weighted for for confirmed links, you know. So <laughs> yeah, there was that uh that reptile rootkit recently that I was reading through. I was like, oh, how'd they do the net filter hook? I'm like, hey, that's the exact same variables as what I, I blogged like four years ago for some CTF. Reptile, yeah, <laughs> reptile, yeah. And yeah, anyway, it turned out, yeah, I emailed the guy and he was like, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll put you in the readme. I was like, thanks. I don't, um, yeah, uh, without, without, without showing my, my five jokers I have in my pocket at all times, um, <laughs> uh, I think Packetstorm is a very effective watering hole for attacks against security researchers and intelligence agencies. You do, I think, do yeah. Just, just saying, just saying. I, I honestly, if anybody doesn't agree with that on the show right now, I I can't imagine that they're not paying attention. Like it, it is, it just is, and, and that does. That's not to say that these exploits are written really stupidly, because some of them are written extremely smart. Like they go deep into ASM and they go they go really obscure to the point that it's it's hard to notice. Uh, and, and I'm not gonna lie, a, a good. I would say at least 50% of them are junky, right? Like we yeah. try to give guidance, yeah. um, but it's really hard, especially considering a lot of the submissions come from people where English either isn't their first language and I don't know their language. Um, and there's a lot of back and forth, but at the end of the day, if what they submit demonstrates where the vulnerability is or provides enough details for one of us to actually, you know, look at this and say, hey, this is useful for me to check X, Y, and Z. Then you know we'll put it up. It's not the best quality, but it's somebody else's quality. So it's what, what matters is whether or not it gets the information out there. Really, um, I, I like uh, buffer to... overflows, like that meme. Buffer overflows in my buffer overflow. It's more likely than you think. <laughs> <laughs> so which submission is it? Just tell us. 
Please. I was never here. I do not exist. <laughs> I, I think I think everybody has to realize this. At the end of the day, there's people at the end of these keyboards at any of the places. Pack Storm aside, Exploit DB, at even the Metasploit Rapid7 guys, there's people at the end of the keyboards that are trying their best. And some people are going to be more crafty than others. So this isn't a challenge to fucking do more. It's it's more of a call to submit quality shit. Um, there's it doesn't help anybody kind of shitting up the uh, ecosphere, I guess. Yeah, what, ecosystem. What keeps happening with uh, disclosure laws, though, if you look at number chaotic, the chaotic was yeah. a site, and then they turned into FR certain one private when the laws changed. So you can do oh, yeah. that. money in a lot of places where it becomes illegal because now you're just. A well, you could you could convert Millworm to exploit DB and Kali, and then create the OSCP. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's literally almost basically what happened. If you yeah. are, yeah, um, yeah. Less said about that, the better. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, guys, there's a question from the YouTube chat saying, uh, knowing what Packetstorm does, has there been any instance that Packetstorm has been scared like hell that you guys had to back off, either from a government entity or from other individuals? I'm sure that you guys have some really good attorneys to keep you guys safe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that whatever you have to say is not, um, it's probably something you don't want to even talk about, but this is just a question from the chat, so I want to just... I, I, so I, know if, I don't know if they're familiar with the beginning of our show, but the beginning of our show says that anything you say during this show is a work of fiction, and none of it's real, it's all fiction, Everyone here is a character. Everybody's a character. Uh, but that said, keep cards close to the heart. Yeah, there, there was one time where we were definitely being looked at a little too hard. And uh, we were the easy targets um, because we also gave away money for uh, the best way to protect yourself for DDoSs. And so after a lot of bad noise and getting lawyers involved, they realized there was a mistake and we really had nothing to do with any of that. Um, it's we, we, we thought it was really childish. I think the funniest thing I got to experience during that was uh, I had literally been working on the job for four days, and a Fox News producer somehow got my <laughs> cell phone number, and I'd only had my phone for four days, and they're like, hey, we want you on the news tonight to talk about this. I was in no way, shape, or form prepared to go on the news, but my coworker was, and uh, they kept asking him, you know, is this a nation state? Is this some, you know, evil company? To oh, and all he have, you had any, have you had any media training? Do you know how to handle these kind of calls? Oh, so I didn't get involved with it, but my coworker <laughs> did, and he had no media training, and I, I knew it wouldn't go great, right? But it went a lot better than I thought it would because he just kept responding to the newscaster. I think it's really bored 14 and 15 year olds. Like, yeah. those are the people that are going to commit massive DOS attacks. It's sure. not, you know, something of great skill. And, and they, they wanted to sensationalize it so bad, and he wouldn't let them. Yeah. And, uh, Thank God. It was fun to watch, but um. So it, the lesson is blame fourteen and fifteen year olds always, uh, or four hundred pound guys or four hundred pound actors in their bedrooms uh, in their mom's house or whatever that line was. I saw a quick thing that I'm going to forget because I have the memory of a goldfish, but it was in the Twitch chat. It was what do you the packet storm guys like hacking to music wise? Oh. 
I don't have time to hack anymore. Uh, well, let's pretend you did. Um, <laughs> I jungle. Um, come on, man. Jungle. Yeah, yeah. A lot of old school. Yeah. I like listening to uh, brutal hardcore, three hundred beats a minute kind of brain melting stuff. Go on. We're wearing a gas mask. Never. Yeah. <laughs> French you, were that, uh, you were wearing that Thunderdome shirt in that stream. <laughs> yeah, the, the the word of the day is French core. Yeah, French <laughs> core. <laughs> oh, like uh, chip tunes and MDMA. Yep. Can I get yeah. that on Spotify? It's like chip tunes times twenty. <laughs> Someone in the chat also uh, just appreciating a lot of Gabber too. Hell yeah. I'll have to I'll have to check that out and see if I got uh, some you know get more lines of code done. Oh yeah, you will. Good code. We, uh, I think we need to update the uh, what's it called the the Bulma quota or Bulma ratio. Dra <laughs> Bulma like dra Dragon Ball, <laughs> Bulma. No, uh, Steve Bulma, the guy from Microsoft. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I Hey, I was right with you, man. I was thinking, what, Vegeta? What? <laughs> you know what? You know what I'm talking about? He had this theory that, like, if you keep your blood alcohol volume at, like, 0.8%. Oh, dude, he told me. Oh, I've seen, I've seen that. Stop you from throwing chairs. People have given that as a, as a presentation. Yeah. Yeah. While drinking. I mean, now now it's, uh like, everybody's microdosing LSD and going to Burning Man. So now I guess you'd have to have a blood alcohol, well, sorry, a blood LSD concentration. <laughs> of zero point eight percent, and just be slightly high all the time. It, did he? Did Balmer reference LSD? I know he referenced BAC. No, but I think he needs to update because we're not yeah, in the nineties anymore. Future. Yeah. Ninety. Alcohol was very popular in the nineties, but now, like all the kids are taking like four FA, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> <laughs> Research chemical from China and it's perfectly fucking safe. Take some bath salts. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have McAfee on the show today, so oh man, did you guys see that bit Bitfi wallet hack thing? So oh, bad. It's such a wonderful time trolling in on that. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be on the show chat. next week. Actually, we just we wow. we called it. We said like, oh, okay, so this is a, a software application right, with a USB. Now, it's just expensive tequila, guys. Slow down. Yeah, I was just drinking. Sorry. Actually, having the cap on though, that would be fucking hilarious. I mean, it would be really entertaining and good value. I, I, we could make it happen. Like those, those guys managed to get him in their rap video or something. I mean, it, oh, it's not like he would puss out, right? He kept replying to me in well, the fear and loathing reference about how much for the. Monkey or whatever. Let's go down the brass. <laughs> uh, down the brass packs. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to walk in this muck. Let's make some dream. Let's make some dreams come true. We we can get McAfee on the show. No problem. No, we still. What kind of misstep screwed up his presidential bid? That's what I want to know. When you lose to Donald Trump. Yeah. Really? He's lost. He's he's run for president before, hasn't he? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Both of them have. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't see why the Russians didn't pick him. That's weird. Yeah, right? Because they already got Kaspersky. Yeah, they, they had way too much of an incident. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
Too much internet footprint for uh, little old MDPV Belize boy over there. He's got a little bit too much internet history, I think. And the NSA just went, hey, are you Captain Sucks Farts 349? And he went, yep. <laughs> Game over, dude. All right, let me, let me read uh, another question coming in from YouTube. What are your ideas about growing Packet Storm as a company? Any areas that you guys think are worth a growing opportunity for Packet Storm? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. It's a serious Yeah, think about becoming an MLM. <laughs> Can you, is there going to be like a, a certified Packet Storm ethical hacker at some point? Um, we won't use webcams, but you'll have to provide room and board for us to watch you take our exam. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I got. I got. Sign me up. OSCP. I just, you know, it's, you know. I'm taking it. Currently, OSCP. So, yeah. You don't know me. OCSP. No, OSCP. Not OCSP. <laughs> have OCSP. you guys? Uh, have you guys got a reggae song yet? You, you got to get a reggae song. The OSCP has got a a, a ragga jungle kind of song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, can, can, can we get Diplo on the next episode? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know some people. I think we could get a Diplo. I'm on the phone to Diplo right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in our DMs right now. Although, although <laughs> I met, uh... Cardi B and D'Antwoord uh, featuring, <laughs> featuring mcpacketstorm.org. I don't really care about the song. I'm looking forward for the video. <laughs> Do you have any, any dogs? Don't fuck with them. It'll be impressive. Um, uh, so I guess we're not really giving a serious answer to that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's not a lot of focus on that today. There's a, there's a bunch of business ideas. The hardest part is not, um, completely selling your soul or selling out your users, right? So when you're not willing to do any of that, um, your business options are smaller and more of a grind. And we have day jobs. I mean, that's no secret. So we, we, you know. I don't like a balance. I just saw, I don't know anything about this open book. A bunch of security people I follow on Twitter suddenly were like, I'm following open book and it's a Kickstarter and we'll, we'll not do what Facebook did. But yeah, I had no idea whether that's oh, a thing. Uh, okay. Another Mastodon, another Gab.ai, but for Facebook. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like. They're, be... they're, they're probably like, hey, the only way we can keep, uh, you know, um, to, to those people, it's like to make you pay for it. Yep. There's going to be a lot of those over the next couple of years. Prepare your anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they can prepare their anus. Uh, but yeah, I am uh, I'm not a fan and don't use that kind of crap. So, no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a breeding ground for just terrible people. Have the markets opened yet? What's the Facebook share price today? <laughs> They're going to get fucking slaughtered. They're going to get ruined this week. They're going to lose 50% of their value. You watch. Dude, they already lost 20. It's fucking nuts, isn't it? I know. Uh, it's, yeah, their their it's all over. It's, it's been a fun. It's all over, guys. It's all over. Sorry, Zuck. Uh, you had fun. But, uh, I'd just like to let everyone know that you have to pay for Facebook now. Yeah. It's a paid service. Wait, this comment requires a Facebook Gold account. Oh, maybe that's a good idea, a good platform for Packetstorm, though. Social media? Yeah. Packetstorm Gold? This yeah. zero day requires a Packetstorm Gold account. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get this. Please, please deposit your Bitcoin here. <laughs> nah. 
Yeah, uh, dude. You, uh, Hacken coin. We're using Hacken coin, HKN now. That's the cryptocurrency for hacking, apparently, HKN. Yeah. Everyone get in on it. Still in ICO. Pre-sale starts now. Pump, pump, pump. I feel like that's seen in Silicon Valley if we did. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they're staring at it. <laughs> it's just losing value. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. Mm, questions. Packet Storm Gold. People are liking the Packet Storm Gold. I say we do <laughs> Packet Storm Gold and Packet Storm Platinum. Of course. Oh, part of why you got some platinum. You can't just have gold. What is this? What about, what about Packet Storm Cash? Oh, oh that so you could exchange for. Yeah, yeah, fork the chain. <laughs> yeah, you can exchange for letters and ASCII. I mean, that would be interesting if you, had a, everything. if you had a token that was based on, like, the quality of your exploit submission. <laughs> and you could use it to buy other exploits. Wow, and, like a CVS score of 10 is like a million dollars. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll speak to this point to start it off, but there, there was originally a bug bounty thing happening with that storm that went away but that would be uh the way to do it i think is to manufacture your own currency so that you don't lose anything and then just pay them in this fake currency that doesn't mean anything wait is this live, uh, is this yeah. live? yep oh. yeah. <laughs> stop telling the normies about the, the fucking muggles are listening man shut up <laughs> You might be a cartoon dog, but you sure are a hobbler. I'm going to have to fucking rename Fight Club, get a whole new bar. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I, I think the biggest things over the years have been uh, attempts at censorship and the laws changing. Uh, to me, it just kind of having this double view of things, looking at Packet Storm, the biggest threat is United States law in the way it's going. Yep. Um, there, there's people currently in the, the legal system like Marcus from Malware Tech Blog uh, that is extremely horrifying to see because that, if you think about, it directly impacts places like Packet Storm and ExploitDB. Um, if he's convicted of writing code and releasing code, what the fuck do you think any of us are doing? Like, pack, exploit DB, they're doing the same thing. Okay. Um, I don't know. So, we didn't author it. Well, you didn't author it, but you made it available. So you facilitated that's uh, <laughs> conspiracy. Calm down here, man. Am and I now you're going to jail. Can you bring years. the ACLU over here if we ever talk again? <laughs> yes, please. But no, it is. It, it, in all honesty, it is. The laws in the United States are the most serious. Uh, thing that I think are going to impact all of us over the next five years and fighting against them is number one. You really need to fight against it. Um, I don't care if you're a black hat and you think Marcus was too much of a white hat and uh, he worked with the police, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. He's, you, you need to fight for what's right. Um, I, I don't see any other eminent threats. Am I wrong? Or do you guys have big threats? No. Well, I mean, we have big threats and we cannot lie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> do tell. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, go ahead. Well, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about any sort of threats currently. We, we try to play nice with everyone and we definitely try to, um, 
not be all over the media and do things to get attention that promote bad blood on either side of the table. Um, we just try to, you know, function as expected. Um, but, yes, yes, I did. No, well, no, on the TV, I eat a mushroom. Uh, anyways. Um, you ate a TV on the mushroom? Anyways, but yeah, I mean, the... Yeah, we don't have any imminent threats that I know, but now that you said that, we're probably gonna have imminent threats. So <laughs> check the chat. Check the chat. Yeah, I'm checking the chat. I don't see any imminent threats from FBI agent 001, so I think we're good. <laughs> but uh, I think Wassenaar was the biggest existential threat, if you want to call it existential. It really is. Yeah. It's it's a dangerous war. It's the doctrine. manifestation of an existential threat. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah. And then Marcus Malware Tech, I, I truly believe his case uh, is going to be landmarked in InfoSec and Black Hat. And it's going to impact everybody. So, uh, yeah, donate to Marcus's legal fund if you can. That's not real. Yep. Agree. Mushroom threat just popped up on the. Uh, <laughs> on the YouTube chat. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's funny to think as well. Like, there's all these uh, cybersecurity grads and courses and stuff now, right? So, like, imagine you're uh, coming out of high school. You're like, what am I going to be when I grow up? And you're going to be a, you know, I'm going to be a cybersecurity man. And uh, you you take the course, you come out, you start working, and then. You know, you, you look for resources to do your job, and all of a sudden, or even before you get a job, you're doing the course, you're looking for resources. Whoop, you're a cyber arms dealer. Yeah, exactly, and you don't even know it. That's the fuck. Right, you, you, haven't, you haven't finished your course yet. You're not a hacker yet. Yeah. Because wow. if you finish a course, you're a hacker, by the way. Oh my so God. if there's any DAs listening, which I know there's actually probably at least one, uh, please rethink these laws. Especially like the cyber uh, subsections of the Wasserar agreement. The, those are just fucking crazy. And and anybody listening that wants to know what I'm ranting about, look up the Wasserar agreement. It's spelled really German, just very German. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Saxa, Gothberg, whatever Illuminati shit, man. It's not good. <laughs> Bilderberg. <laughs> One hundred percent confirmed. <laughs> so, so real talk, though, it, it does it in, impacts everybody. It impacts uh, even just the novice hacker that's in their basement, um, their mom's basement, obviously. Duh. But coding uh, exploit code that is potentially dangerous, it becomes classified potentially right now as a weapon of war, and that's that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. What's that? It's ridiculous. I, I think it's just a catch-all. It's just a in-case-we-need-it kind of doomsday scenario kind of law, but it could be wrong. Agreed. But but would you want to be the person that codes the next slammer and it's just for lulls? Yeah. And it's like, a, yeah. like there's a Bitcoin miner right now that's called I'm gay, right? I-M-G-A-Y. Oh. oh, no, it's a Mirai variant or similar IoT botnet called I'm gay, and it doesn't do anything malicious. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and I, there's a pretty good chance that whoever wrote it is actually listening to this fucking podcast. But um, please, please comment below. Yeah. No, don't save, <laughs> save yourself. Uh, legal, legal attorney at law here. Do not comment. Attorney at law. Yeah, yeah. Certified attorney at law. Got it. You don't <laughs> want to get. Uh, yeah, you don't want to get weaved. 
<laughs> never get fully weaved. Yeah. You never go full weave. Ah, that's yeah. You never go full weave. Don't let the ideology overshadow the uh, technical merit. Technology. And I think that's at the core what Packet Storm and a lot of a lot of the old schoolers stand for is technology over ideology. Yeah. Well, it also comes down to intent again, right? Yeah. Whole case. Yeah, he was. Uh, shockingly, he was. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, weave aside, even, uh, again, I keep bringing up Marcus Malware catalog. Uh, his intent, and maybe at the time, wasn't extremely uh, one way or another. I can't speak to that, only he can. But the problem is, the intent matters on whoever is presenting it in court, tells the idea in court. And so we need to make sure that the laws are not as restrictive as to allow this kind of bullshit to be uh, said and, and just sold in a court of law and to convict people for however many years. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like a new CM. Yeah. Ambiguous and basically makes very general things uh, perceived as illegal if put in the right light, and all of it needs updates. Right? Context matters. So I guess the TLDR is get involved in criminal uh, cyber law. Uh, know your ins and outs. Know what's right and wrong, what's legal and not legal, and then try and fight against the uh, illegal. Currently illegal shit because some of it's really misguided by people that just don't know better. We are yeah, just fight for your First like Amendment. Yeah, we we like to make fun of yeah, uh, well, I like to make fun of Weave, but um, he had a very good point with with regard to Marcus in that um, the default the default reaction to from the hacking community to any hacker getting busted at any time should be. He's a he's a good boy. He didn't do anything. You guys have to prove it. Um, and he, uh, as Weave does, he delivered it in a very offensive way. But he had a good point. Yeah. Um, that yeah. the the circle the wagons kind of thing seems to have fallen away at some point. We used to do that, and we haven't been doing it lately. I think I think Weave's an unfortunate case because it was hard to circle the wagons around a confirmed Nazi at that point. Uh, but circling the wagons is important. It really is. Uh, and I'm just going to press the, uh, hey, the key on my keyboard so that hey, we don't go away. But yeah, uh, yeah, if he had waited just a few more years until Trump got, <laughs> got elected, he would be perfectly fine and probably promoted to really do the line. So, yeah. He'd be the cybersecurity czar by now. Exactly. And we all know that where that would lead. Flying dawn copters everywhere. Yep. Would be great. Yep. Triple dark webs for everybody. <laughs> wow. Hey, so, uh, oh, what, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say the best part is he didn't write anything. He just promoted and talked a lot of shit. Yeah, man. Jackson Brown. Well, I don't know if I should call people. No, you know what? No. He served his time, whatever. Jackson Brown wrote all that shit. We did nothing. We've maybe hit enter. Uh, he did nothing. 
And then, but he, it's the intent. Well, it was the way he talked to the court, calling them all Jews to <laughs> come against him, and all this fucking crazy shit that he said. He got the book thrown at him by the same judge that, by the way, I'm going to say, I'm pretty sure it's the same judge that went after Ross Albright and gave him two life sentences for running the Silk Road, which is totally fucked. And are they're trying to strike him down in the uh, in the what do you call it? Supreme Court. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, Ross Albright. Yeah. So this is an ideology overtook. Uh, again, he had a very good point. He's being jailed for incrementing a digit in a URL. Yeah. Um, what the hell is going on? Who's who's responsible? Where does the where does the buck stop? But then you bring in the whole juice thing, and people go, "Well, you're a fucking idiot." So yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many people shoot themselves in the foot here? But um, hey, I wanted to mention real quick because we our initial um, purpose for the Sunday stream was to talk to some hacker parents who couldn't make it for last stream, and so I kind of wanted to circle into that for a little bit just to kind of end of the show, if it's okay with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but um, no, I mean, we'll definitely, thanks everybody from Pakistan for coming on. Um, we can still continue the conversation and things, but I wanted to hear some different perspectives. So just in case anyone didn't hear uh, our Tuesday stream, we talked to a few hacker parents about how they raise their kids um, and to yeah. have the hacker mindset and everything. And um, yeah, I definitely, we have one of them here, a village idiot, and I wanted to hear their perspective on this. Are you there? Village who who is village idiot? Can you qualify them first and introduce them? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, village idiots, uh, someone that I invited along. So, uh, I'm not sure if his push to talk is working or not. Nope. Yeah. I mean, hey, hey. So uh, while while we're waiting. I'll, uh, I'll just mention that little project that I talked about offline. Sure. Remember that? So, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm building a computer for my child. And uh, I'm going to get a NUC, right? Intel NUC. And I'm, I'm putting Linux on it. And I'm going to connect it to this device that is a router. And it's called it's called the Rachel project. Inside of this router is uh, all of Wikipedia, um, TED Talks, K through 12 educational videos, Scratch educational uh, information. It's 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 designed for um, schools that don't actually have access to the internet, but it provides that whole experience on like, you know, a couple gigabytes uh, SD card and a Wi-Fi router. And that's uh, when I when I give my child uh, their first computer, I'm going to say, OK, I'm going to let you connect to the network and uh, give them access to this Rachel device. And that's going to be the introduction. And eventually, you know, they'll get access to the to the internet and and uh, you know the the wider network, but that's uh, that's my initial. Uh, that's how it's going to happen. <laughs> how much does it cost? 
Well, so one of the like official devices for like a school um, is like five five hundred or seven hundred bucks or something. But you can get you can get a sort of an open source version of the same thing for like sixty bucks. This uh, Rachel, I I'll, I'll, I'll get a, a link in chat here. But yeah, it's only like sixty bucks for one of these devices. Yeah, that's really cool. What's a squid proxy? <laughs> it's wait, what about what about a proxy? Does it double as a squid proxy or anything? Well, I mean, it's just it's just going to be uh, it's not going to be connected to the larger network. You know what I mean? It's just sort of a contained uh, intranet. Is how it works on on Wi-Fi. Yeah, I'll get the find link here. You can find out more about it on wordpossible.org slash Rachel. Yeah, that's a really cool thing because actually I was watching a talk uh, yesterday. Um, There's like, a, I think it was a TED talk actually, but it was about YouTube and the things that we were talking about on Tuesday, which were just the complete lack of regulation and inability to regulate really um, the content that is directed at kids. And so, and they're saying like, you know, keep your kids off of YouTube. Um, you know, until they're of age and you can kind of, they can kind of make any or better decisions about what they're watching. But it's definitely, I think it's cool if you could make a sandbox for them initially at first, because there's so many things that a younger child could just accidentally do that we innately know to not do. Like say, I don't know, like accidentally click on the wrong download button or, um, you know, click on some sort of banner ad that opens up a bunch of like porn sites and starts Bitcoin, you know, mining on your uh, on your computer or anything worse than that. I mean, so definitely uh, an interesting and awesome approach to trying to sort of give your kids the educational aspects of things without giving them the whole breadth of the internet, which is wide and scary. Yeah, well, I, I kind of feel like I'm in an arms race with uh, the school system because uh, the public schools are going to give my child a uh, an iPad in uh um and and uh, they would they want them to you know connect to the internet and, and do do projects and stuff and i i feel i feel i feel like i have to get ahead of them and mm -hmm. uh and uh it's important for me to to be like hey you know this this is your device and uh you have control of it um, which I guess in my case with the Rachel projects kind of alive, but like when, it, when I was coming up, you know, like my, my computer and until I was bad and I lost access to it and it became the family computer, like it was my, it was my computer and, uh, I, and the internet was like, uh, the wild, wild west, but I, I don't want, I don't want my kids to uh, have their first impressions of the internet be this uh, sort of like censored, controlled uh, thing, because like I feel like it's bad for my kids, and I feel like it's bad for America, and I feel like it's bad for the world. You know, this this idea of like censorship uh, from from such a young age, because I I didn't have that growing up. You know, it was it was just uh, it was just uh, you know, the information's out there. You just have to go go get it. 
You mentioned <laughs> that the school was us. going to give your children an iPad for lease. Does that come equipped with any kind of monitoring software or any kind of spyware? Yeah. So Apple Apple uh, provides these these devices, um, and it's. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like spyware, but it's it's just sort of like um, there is a layer of control, you know, and I, I don't have one in my hand yet, but uh, um, I am absolutely opposed to any sort of fucking control. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, like so... Uh Sorry, I was just going to say that uh, we got an intrepid join the channel. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. What up, man? There you go. I have to say, guys, um, we, you know, after listening to you guys a lot, man, we sound so Australian. I never noticed the accent until I listened to you guys. <laughs> Definitely uh, one of the, the crowning jewels of this podcast. That's right. Um, speaking about kids in tech, so I don't know how much I can help you guys out, but my i've got two kids one's 10 one's four um my eldest she uh i didn't let her on any tech until she was she was about four maybe almost five and my youngest is tech everywhere so um kind of got both sides of the story about how they how they reacted without having any tech and and yeah where, where they're at now so all right sure go for it um, so my, my eldest, when she was going through kindergarten, for example, there was, there was no computers in there. Um, so she, when she came home, I didn't give her any screen time or anything. It wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't as big then. Whereas my youngest, they got iPads in kinder, there's screens everywhere. You know, we've got Alexas all throughout the house and, you know, there's, there's tech literally everywhere. There's another aspect that kind of scares me a little bit is not even whether they've got a computer or use it or if they've been profiled somewhere, but don't forget they're running all these like kids watches that track you and track your movement and stuff and that that scares me more than anything yeah i mean that's something that we've we've talked about a bunch is like a lot of the different tools that are being marketed and developed are developed and marketed for parents and for schools and for whomever to track their kids through ah, double, double simpsons reference you remember uh the episode of the simpsons where they had the 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 Furby thing called Funzo. Yep, Funzo. Yeah, Funzo. Spying on the kids, and it was recording like they were recording what the kids liked and and all that sort of stuff to sell them shit. All for all for the school. The the company that made Funzo took over Springfield Elementary, um, and owned it. They bought it, and that's. <laughs> I mean, why not? That that might as well happen in reality right now. Like, what what's to stop a uh, Pepsi opening a fucking school? Nothing. Especially when they're, so hard, they're hard for cash too, as well. Um, I mean, yeah, it's no. literally happening with like Adobe. It is literally happening with cryptocurrency. No, seriously, like with Adobe, Adobe and Apple, like they're handing out devices, and kids have to do their projects on. You know, they have to make some sort of bullshit slideshow. Uh, you know, report. <laughs> yeah, that, that looks nice. Instead of doing a fucking report on paper, <laughs> it's all collected. Like they're they're doing like it's just like just like OHS in Australia. I don't know what's called in in the US, but uh, all these interactive 
um, things that an employee has to go through, like tutorials about how to exit the building and how to sit in their chair and just retarded stuff so that they can comply with workplace safety regulation and get their insurance. Um, and these, there's entire corporations out there, and that's all they do is create training videos to show you how to use a fire extinguisher. They make millions. Um, these people will be collecting like big data on, on all employees um, and selling it to other people. Yeah, I mean, they won't even have to take a test. Like when they graduate high school, there's not going to be like an SAT or uh, MSAT or you know whatever. They're just going to be like, oh, yeah, well, we know you. We've known you since started. You think of all we, those we like name so tests well. and stuff like Cambridge Analytica and name tests. The their well name tests I don't think was the one that got that, that got leaked, but something very similar, like a personality quiz or something got, got a leak recently. Yeah. Um, and they were a kind of a platform for multiple like which X are you kind of quizzes for Facebook. Yeah. And lots of people got their info leaked on that one. Um, so that's that's just going to keep happening, and yeah, I, I think no, it's going to be it's going to be like uh, uh, what is it, Brave New World? You know what I mean? Like in third grade, you get your colored T-shirt, you know, that tells you what class you're in, and then when you're in high school, you know, fucking, you know, anyway. The, the line between high school and rest of your life is becoming increasingly blurred. Yes. High school. Tattoos on the back of the neck from kindergarten, I reckon. A lot of this connects back with what Remy was talking about um, with, with the school provided stuff. I think a good approach to that, and again, this only kind of applies to people who have sufficient money to do this, but I think it's a good opportunity to kind of demonstrate compartmentalization. It's like, this is your school thing. It is filled with back doors. It's kind of going to be like your work laptop when you eventually get one of those. So let's learn what compartmentalization means and why it's important and uh, using that as a learning space. Baby's first VPN? Like, yes. What age do we start, PJ? <laughs> we baby's first hostile device. Yes. <laughs> baby's first evil, evil made subversion. Well, in saying that, it sounds funny, but it's it's probably slightly a little bit correct. So the, the, what I've found is that most of the time, all you can do is help them make their own decisions, not, you know, put them on tech. That's, you know, that's the old saying of, you know, providing tech to fix a management problem, right? So you got to kind of get them into the mindset. And what you said last week on the on the podcast was spot on. You've, you've got to really get them thinking about what's around them and, and how what they're doing online is affecting their life. Absolutely. Those kind of skills are just what needs to be built. And it's just the thing is, it's a new frontier. And every year, as more and more things become more connected, more things require internet for kids, you know, in general, they have to learn those kinds of skills. And so it's definitely something that needs to be developed as a whole. I think that, like, the, the reason we wanted to bring on hacker parents from last weekend for today as well is because we did want to be able to at least contribute opinions rather than a lot of, um, you know, sort of educational boards that might not have the same background as us, um, be able to at least draw a little bit on to their body of knowledge and be able to say, hey, maybe we shouldn't do it this way. Maybe we should do it another way. And so I definitely think that, you know, I really value all the hacker parent opinions here because 
it's something that a lot of parents are just there, unfortunately, not as equipped to understand how to actually approach the problem. So they might take the easy route and just give their kids the iPad and let them get poisoned by some weird like pregnancy fetish, uh, you know, cartoons on like uh, YouTube or something. Man, can I get, can I just talk about that for a second? Like, I have been I've totally been down that road. This was uh, a couple years ago, um, before I discovered YouTube kid kid kids YouTube. Yeah, first time I discovered it, this is probably like three, two two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you know my my child was watching like a some counting video on youtube like one two three and there's numbers yeah it seems it seems like a good idea and then and then uh yeah rates a bad baby bad baby spider-man elsa fucking insanity yeah anyone who doesn't under who doesn't know just just look up bad baby or Spider-Man Elsa, YouTube Kids, it is, it is fucking, <laughs> it is so bad, it's so toxic, it's so fucking nasty, and I found my child, after, like, 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 I, I, hand, I hand the device over, I'm like, okay, counting, I walk away, I come back 10 minutes later, I'm like, what the fuck, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Right, it's, like, it's very drastic. It goes immediately into that kind of stuff, and a lot of it with no warning. It's very seamless and generate. What? It's rule thirty-four of the internet. Come on. Exactly. Unfortunately, in uh, the wrong places. Hey, uh, village idiot, did you get that mic check happening? Uh, I guess not. That that sucks. There's a whole spectrum of weird ass shit on YouTube kids. It has, it has a lot to do with like uh, shitty diapers and uh, uh, like cutting like <laughs> operations. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is this the parenting episode? Is yes. This is, this is like the continuation <laughs> of the parenting episode. Like, a hard place. <laughs> Daniel Jarkin a- walked away for a second. I honestly did. I'm going to be honest. But- yeah. So we want to just uh, bring on a couple people that we had from last week uh, or earlier in the week that we wanted to come on. Um, but now, yeah, we're just talking about this. I'm, right now, I'm looking at some of this uh, this stuff on here. And it's pretty. Yeah, I found the bad baby thing you were talking about specifically, uh, Read Me. This is. It gets scarier and scarier. And just the fact that there's. We, you know the types of people that are making this kind of stuff. They are just like, I don't know, people that we would think is funny to like make something really weird and like shocking. But the fact that it's just so easy to, oh my god, I just screwed up the uh, OBS here. Um, the fact that it's super easy to just uh, make this kind of stuff and just give it to kids, just the most brutal, horrifying stuff. It's just, I don't know, it's absolutely just like messed up. I'm sorry. So, are these on the YouTube Kids uh, stream? Because there is a YouTube Kids thing. Uh, it's... Yep. Yeah. This goes right yeah. through. They'll spend you know 15 minutes of the thing with a regular cartoon, and then for a minute or two, there just jumps into like 
sawing open frozen Elsa with a hacksaw to like take out like a baby and super bloody or do like brain surgery or like some weird like just injection fetish stuff. Um, okay. like, literally, you just, let, you just let it autoplay. Like start with. It sounds spider- like I shouldn't. <laughs> it's like some. Uh, <laughs> it's like the the sub genius they're gonna get in there and start making these you know and come and turn all your kids into some sort of sub genius without you knowing let me put this out there in case anybody listening actually does view you're a fucking creep die <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean no the thing is too is that it's 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 really easy to just make this and also make money off of it I and mean, people make thousands of dollars a week all of this kind of stuff Look at the so, comments. No, look Bob. at the most Sorry, disgusting the video. Look at the comments, and you can see it's just toddlers that cannot spell that are just randomly hitting the keyboard. Yeah. It's completely obvious. All right. So, so that's one of the first lessons you definitely need to teach your kids is do not look at the comments. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I had to teach myself that. God damn. Someone had to yeah, set it sooner. Someone should have told the president how to do that and uh, a bunch of other dumb jokes. So, yeah, I mean, that, that sort of thing, too. One of the things that I've seen as well, especially with YouTube, but it could happen on any site, is there are people that just pose as little kids and they ask other little kids to do, like, challenges. So they'll say, like, oh, like, do this challenge, or, you know, do the tickling challenge, like, tie your friend up and tickle them on video. And or do the pregnancy challenge and pretend to be pregnant and then have the baby like, and people make little videos of that and they send them to each other because they think that they're also eight years old and on YouTube. So unfortunately, with that YouTube kids thing, the only way to solve this is really by buying um, those crappy Java-based vulnerable pieces of shit leak pads because unfortunately, the one thing that they do well on those things, apart from being vulnerable, is uh, content filtering. They actually do that well, and there's no chatting. So how about, uh, like, is there, like, some sort of signatures that they use for, like, streaming media? Like, I mean, that seems, you know, I, I don't really know how streaming media uh, is, just con- like, filtered in real time or anything. A lot of kids no. just use YouTube app, really. Um, they don't get into Twitch and stuff when they're toddlers. No, I mean, I mean, like, what you see, you know, you start watching a YouTube video. It's a streaming, like, streaming. It's a video stream to your machine. Like, how? I do mean, you... the kid, the kids, the kids aren't even really interacting at all. Like, the parents are lining up the videos for them and stuff for the first few years of their life. Yeah, and see. then this topic has caused uh, to get some knocks at the door. So we'll be right back. Okay. It's the really. All right, so I, I have something to share. Um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier where I uh, I, uh, I let I let my child um, look, watch YouTube, right? On uh, and I wasn't paying attention for like fifteen minutes, half an hour. I came back and there was some weird ass shit on 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 YouTube, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so my reaction. Was like, <laughs> was like, well, I'm gonna make some wholesome YouTube videos <laughs> for kids. Yeah. So, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna link those videos right now in the, in the uh, <laughs> in the YouTube chat. Okay. <laughs> this, this, what? this, what? You're gonna link yeah. what in your chat? 
I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna like some uh, wholesome good YouTube videos for your child to watch. <laughs> oh my god! What? Are you serious? Or are you trolling? I can't tell. Any, any parents out there should should Google uh, should search YouTube for Wheels on the Bus remix. You find some amazing dubstep and oh. trap remixes of that Wheels on the Bus Wait. song. <laughs> Actually, YouTube YouTube is not letting me post it for some reason. Oh, yeah. I just, I just I just put it in ideas. If anyone yeah, else, so wants if to any do it. if any parents are listening and their kid is playing the same fucking song over and over and over again for like six hours a day, um, search for like a dubstep remix or a drum and bass remix. Save yourself some sanity. Uh, speaking advice. of hacker parents, actually, I just uh, have an announcement from Crazed, and he wanted everyone to know that uh, he was he was pooping. So I guess he got a few seconds away from his kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring him on. What up, crazed? Yeah, I don't know if he's listening, but uh, he just just wanted me to to tell the stream that um. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sure he he the wheels on the bus are still going in in his house right now. Yeah, they haven't they haven't stopped turning for. It, he's actually YouTube wouldn't let me post it, but Twitch Twitch did. It's the uh it's the wheels on the bus ten hour version, as yeah, if that's man. not already in existence from every right child. Right. Exactly. That's a, that's unnecessary. Like they'll any kid can turn any song into a ten hour version. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so like really, like for for real though, I the 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 videos that I linked was a direct response. Like I I I I saw my child watching some horrible video on YouTube, and this was like a gut reaction. Like oh my god, I have to create some YouTube video. <laughs> For right. my for my child got, to uh, watch, <laughs> I got an amazing app idea for you. Uh, a YouTube client, no repeat. That's all. It, that's all it is. No repeat. That's, uh, that's a million dollar idea right there. I like counting to fifteen. Wheels on the bus once, then something else. <laughs> wow, that is exactly how you turn your kids into hackers, man. They're gonna. Well, that's how you turn them into hackers because they have to search for like you know dupes and other uploads. They can't watch the same one twice. They start learning about YouTube IDs very early age. So you guys, uh, I, I'm going to assume everyone in here can can count in binary on their fingers, right? Yep. Teach your kids. Uh, like, which fingers? I mean, the the fingers on your hand. I, I don't know what other fingers you have. Fingers well, I, on the yeah, back I, of your I neck. Count, I can count in binary simultaneously five times, I think. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So on on one hand, when you you know the, ten times uh, if you count my like ten times if you count my toes, I could get ten going, ten wiggles going. Man, you're <laughs> like a <laughs> ten times simultaneously in my in my brain. I can count in binary simultaneously ten threads. <laughs> Just uh, yeah, but I mean they they get to they count to four at some point, right? So. Oh hey, Dilogidium, is that you who just uh, appeared for a moment? Yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello. A little loud, but. No, finally. Uh, hang on, I'll I'll turn it down a bit. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking. Oh, back. Patrick should breed our kids to only have two fingers, and they're counting binary naturally. How do you how do you breed hex? Like, how do you breed your kids? <laughs> breed. How do you raise your kids for hex, though? Like, you just tell them not to use their thumbs or uh, their big toes. Did I? Have, well, they count to their fingers, and then they switch like to A for their big toe, B for their little toe. 
Yeah, I don't even use this anyway. Well, that's that's a base ten, so defeating the purpose. Yeah, you're crazed. What up? Crazed available. Isn't that crazed? Crazed would be talking, and crazed would be interesting. Crazed never not talks if he's here. There he is. Fucking crazed. What's up? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Hey, uh, you, where's your soundboard, dude? Uh, <laughs> still building that one. <laughs> Craze is probably still pooping with a kid in one hand. <laughs> Yo, Craze, uh, refresh, refresh, and coming back to us. How many other hacker parents are here today? Um, we got a few. We got uh, MG, Readme, Intrepid. Uh, crazed. So yeah. Cool. I'm just wondering, um, how many, uh, what age did um, most of them? Or just asking, how many of them um, started introducing their kids to screens? What sort of age was it? Under one. Yeah, for real. You can't keep them. You can't keep them away from them. That's what I was saying earlier. Was that my eldest? I kept her away from all screens till she's about four. Um, and my youngest, it's in her kindergarten. Like you can't get away from it. But my eldest, you know, didn't have any screen time at four. At five, she was coding in Scratch and making little games. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm uh, sort of my my oldest is uh, still two, and uh, I'm generally keeping him away from screens. I'm showing him a few bits and pieces. As for technology itself, rather than introducing him to tablets and stuff like that, we've been getting little batteries and globes and electric motors and wiring them up ourselves and sort of real hands-on stuff, more analog than digital at this point. Speaking of analog versus digital, what about physical? Um, anyone got their kids onto lock picking or, or soldering or anything like that? No, yeah, my, it, mine's a bit young at the moment. Give it to your oldest soldering iron. Yeah, that's a house burned down. Yeah. I gave my four year old a soldering iron. Yeah, I, I had one when I was uh, little, and yeah, I got burned. Pretty, I burned myself. It was uh, you, a good lesson. You only do I it think. once. Oh, no, nah, you do it a few more, but it's like, it's, yeah, about once. Actually, for kids that are slightly older, I've just chucked a link in um, in the, the you know the main um, main page. It's uh, called "Why Johnny Can't Code," and it's advocating why you should buy an old eight bit computer for um, for your younger kids and teaching them to code directly, banging the metal on some older hardware. It's actually uh, written by David Brin, who's a well known uh, sci fi author. It's really worth the read. It's a good read. I wonder if you could keep an eye out for some kind of brute force behaviour in your children. Where they where they map out an attack surface and just just completely rainbow tables it. <laughs> like they try every every combination of a pin, for example. I used to do that with uh, combination locks when I was younger. Right, we all did. So if you can identify that as a pattern of behaviour, like if they. Uh, if they exhaust all available options and just throw shit at stuff until it works, that's that's genius behavior. Is this like to get a cookie, like get get a jar full of uh, cookies and be like, you can have as many as you want if you open this combination lock. Well, you walk in and they've pulled some, you know, they've pulled a tablet apart. You know, they've pulled your iPad apart somehow, pried it open, and pulled out some chips. <laughs> 
So now I think I always used to do that with a video recorder with my parents. You know, <laughs> I was wondering when they were going to take the screwdrivers away from me, but they were always encouraging me to take things apart, even if I would irritated them. So I mean, that's awesome. Um, with 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 all this though, I've been wondering if anybody here is afraid that they would teach their parents or that teach their kids uh, enough to like actually like, hack their parents and maybe like subvert them when you don't want them to. Like let's say they. I doing- would be so proud. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, the first time I detect like Shikata Ganai from or whatever it's called from my kid, I'll be so proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting. Daddy, daddy, I just owned the school network. <laughs> what what the fuck is that eternal bloom? Ah oh, yeah, it's little Johnny. Cool. <laughs> but why is my RDS going off? Oh, oh, oh. It's not me. I mean, I also think about it from the perspective of also, I mean, what if when they're teenagers and they're trying to hide something from you, maybe something that's dangerous or something that they shouldn't be involved in, and they use your same obfuscation and, you know, other techniques to uh, hide everything, and they're soon they're talking to their weird, uh, you know, like, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend he told them to not talk to you by, like, sending data over DNS or something like, you know, like, are you, uh, I guess, how would people uh, approach that? Have you, have you thought about that? What if well, they're using the same encryptor that you're using? Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Great. What if, what if your kids are okay. signing code with the same certificate as you? Still a proud moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah or may, uh... you, you'll never ever be able to solve everything with tech ever. And that's where parenting skills come in place. Yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, what was the case, uh, uh, Village Idiot, you'll probably remember this one, the the guy, the NSA dude's son who was using buffer overflows in the 80s. Yeah, the internet worm guy. Um, Morris. Robert Morris. Right. Wait, isn't that the guy that did fucking the W32 Sasser worm? No, no it was before, like 10 years before, before that. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no 32-bit, dude. Yeah. No, no, Internet Worm was like 1991 or something, right? Was it? Dude, I don't know. That's like the year I got. There was only only like a thousand hosts or three thousand hosts on the internet back then. And and it it spread by host files. I don't even think DNS existed back then. It was 1988 and it was mainly um, SMTB bugs, um, you know, good old send mail. You're right. There's, there's a guy. Uh, finger overflow. There's RMS. We all know his his ways. Yeah. <laughs> his ways. Well, um, it's kind of getting a little bit late here and I have to go grocery shopping. Um, so I kind of want to grab it a little bit. Um, Random. You're going Christmas shopping? Is that what you said? Grocery uh, shopping. Oh, I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's really early, dude. Christmas shopping. Yeah, oh, he going, said Christmas shopping. I heard him. Yeah, going Christmas shopping. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah. gangster. So, so, if anybody, <laughs> so if anybody here um, has any last words about either Packer Parents or Packer Storm, um, speak now for a roll your piece. Uh, Shit, was that the topic for tonight? Fuck, I wish it would have yeah, been sooner. Pretty crazy. street, dude. It was, it was dark as fuck, actually. It was, it was ghetto. It was gangster. Yeah. I'll, I'll give a dad yeah. hack. Um, so Dogs. fucking go on YouTube, search for fucking vacuum cleaner sound, and look for the yeah, longest yeah. one and play that. If your kids <laughs> are being asked, don't want to go to sleep. Gang squad. <laughs> <laughs> he's the, he's the broken crew. 
my my parting advice is shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. Peace. Get one for your kids, you mean? Peace to broken. Faith, um, somebody said, what is uh, the Thunderdome shirt? What's your favorite Thunderdome comp, real quick? Uh, Thunderdome 5. Hell yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. And we will be back on Tuesday with uh, Esquiring, a.k.a. Fred Jennings, to talk about CFAA and all the cyber questions or cyber law questions that we weren't able to answer tonight. So see you then. Peace. Peace. Peace.